from west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian, Michael Bowling, and I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Craig Williams. So Craig, how are you this week? I'm very good. How are you? I'm doing well, you know. I had a, I had a few technology challenges, and hopefully this recording goes well. This is my the first time in three days my laptop's worked. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm, I'm so. very stressed about that too, but I think we'll get through <laughs> it just fine. Good, good. Yeah, otherwise everything's fine. We're back in. We had a, a brief flirtation with 80 degree weather up here in the sacramento valley but we're right up there in the hundreds again yeah well (laughs) good because uh you know you need to stay on that kind of same uh, temperature level for whenever you're out uh in orlando very soon from now so obviously but i need this different but yeah i was just gonna say but i need the same humidity level which here is like zero (laughs) well you start with the heat and then the humidity will come uh slowly Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it just comes immediately. Yeah, <laughs> as soon as you get off that plane. Yeah, yep, definitely. So, well, we, uh, we're really close to the Diz Mega Meet, and I am very excited about the Connecting with Walk, Walt down, Walk, uh, you know, I will get this said, there's too many W's, <laughs> Connecting with Walt Walk Down Main Street USA event, So, which is Sunday, July 24th from... 2 to 4 p.m., and uh, we are meeting at the flagpole in Town Square in the Magic Kingdom. And as we mentioned we uh, last week, we are joined by our special guest and friend, Tom Bell, who is the host of um, the other show that I am on, the Diz Unplugged um, podcast, Disneyland Edition. So uh, so Tom will also be sharing his knowledge of um, Walt Disney and history and trivia and, and things like that. And we may not even limit ourselves to Main Street. If there's time, we may go and look at a, a few attractions that were that Walt really had a hand in de, in conceiving of and designing of, but they are no longer at our beloved Disneyland. So we have to go visit them when we're in the Magic Kingdom. So maybe we'll have a chance to go over there, talk about them a little, and maybe we can even um, ride the attraction together and yeah. enjoy them. And if they want to sit beside us, then they are going to have to make a a hefty <laughs> donation to give Kids of the World before they're allowed to do so. Uh, yes, but they, or maybe they want to pay so they don't have to. <laughs> see, that's a, well, that's the beauty of all this. So we will uh, for everyone who did get signed up for this. Uh, obviously, it was a very limited event just because we are doing it right dead in the Magic Kingdom, and they're just there's a lot of people there. It's going to be very hard to hear, so we wanted to make sure that everyone could get the most out of it uh, by having to limit the number for that very reason. So, uh, 
you know, we, uh, everyone who is there uh, that has a smartphone, they'll also be able to uh, download the the app that we're using for the all the auction, the silent auction, and everything else called Handbid. And so, uh, it's one of those situations. If you enjoy what we did and you want to continue to donate to the uh, the cause to give kids the world then you'll be able to do that right from your smartphone wherever you are so who knows maybe we really could uh charge people if they want to sit beside us on some <laughs> of these attractions just you know toss out a maybe 20 bucks a person to sit beside us yeah. Yeah, we we are. It's not mandatory, but we are asking the people who join us to um, give a donation to give yeah. kids the world, and we we will collect those and, and put it in the um, give kids the world pot. Yes, that, that that we're we're going to be keeping for this event. So it's all for a good cause. Not only do you spend some time getting to know me and Craig and Tom, but you'll be um, also helping out a lot of children who uh, you know um, maybe just don't have a lot of opportunities because of, of some of their medical issues and uh, you know they just don't get to enjoy the parks the way we do so exactly. this helps them yep to do that and uh and i know i've gotten a lot of questions about the waiting list um we are oversubscribed at this point so we are not going to be taking a waiting list uh we're, we're significantly oversubscribed there's a bit of a computer glitch as as happens yeah. and um so even though it was limited to 20 there there are more than 20 on on this um little excursion so so we won't be taking a waiting list and if you did send me an email i apologize i've not responded to you on this topic, as I said, my my operating system basically crashed, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I have not been able to respond to anything. So anyway, so it's up and running now. So hopefully, next few days, I'll I'll be able to respond. Yes, perfect. To yeah. So so that's it. And um, I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to say about the Mega Meet, Craig? Uh, I don't know, just for uh, everyone who's coming at this point, uh, I apologize to anyone who isn't signed up for it uh there's there's no more time to sign up for it or any of the events all that registration happens so uh, for everyone else who's coming uh, i just i know we're we're all very excited about it here so Mm -hmm. uh, we can't wait for all of you guys to to get into town and just have fun uh have fun celebrating everything with us yeah yeah and and i know some folks have said oh we wanted to be on the connecting with walt event because we wanted to chat with you and craig there will be opportunities Uh, you know carol and i are flying in on the 20th and we're not leaving till the 27th so we'll be around but and we're also participating in events yes you know um i'm carol and i are going to be we're on a team for the new england meets uh monorail scavenger hunt so, so if you're part of that, you're you'll definitely see us. I, Craig, I'm signed up for one of your events, the the, the drink and fall or drunk yeah. and walk <laughs> and what is that down at it's, Disney Springs? It's, it's more or less just turning into a. Uh, if you want a drink, then that's great. But we will be going around to some of the places around Disney Springs that are serving up the the best drinks right now. So no time for snacking with that just because we have to cram a lot in with a good amount of people in two hours. So uh, regardless, it'll be fun. 
Oh, good. So sip and drop. Is that what it's called? <laughs> sure. We'll, just, we'll go with that. Corey's anyway, so, looking so for the, the name So still. the good thing is we, we better eat before we go around. I'm yes. looking forward to it. I, I've, I've not spent a lot of time exploring the new Disney Springs. Um, Rhino took me and Tom around when we were out there last. And I got a little of it. But there were still things opening. And yeah. so um, so I know a lot more has opened Yes, since so then. We... Uh, so. I think we're up to four or five locations now. I can't remember. Corey was oh good. Corey was going around today and trying to uh, to figure out exactly Sample. what he wanted to take people to. So uh, I'm oh, sure good. he'll have his finalized list ready mm-hmm. very soon. Yeah, and then and Carol now beat the ice cream social and uh, one of them. Yes. and then. Um, Oh, and of course, we'll be at the dessert party. Yes. So, um, the Illuminations dessert party. So, anyway, so that's it. And if you want to be all decked out, there there's a new Diz Online store. And we do have Connecting with Walt merchandise there. I've ordered mine. So, so, hope, so I, I'm assuming it'll get here in time so I can wear it there. Uh, so, yeah. So, so go on to um, the Diz boards. And there's links there yes. for the Diz Online store. And it's and, also uh, in our show notes page. I was able to find the link to it finally after a little bit of searching. So good, excellent. Okay, I think that's all of our sort of our housekeeping, as they say on the news yes. show. Anything else? I've got nothing else. Excellent. Okay. Well, you know, during the July season of Connecting with Walt, we're going to be taking a closer look at some of the design elements of Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. So in this episode, Craig and I are going to put on our favorite Disney Prince costumes and visit the castles of the Disney princesses in each Magic Kingdom. And Oh, okay, and some of these, I just have to warn you right now, the, the words are in French. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know how your French pronunciation is, Craig. <laughs> uh, if I know the words, sometimes it's okay. If I don't, I will most likely butcher it. Okay, well, good, because I, I, um, I, I won't know them. If they were in Latin, which is what Catholic school boys of my era had to take, I would be just fine. <laughs> but uh, but I do not know French, so uh, so feel free to pronounce some of these words as we go through this. I will do my best. So, okay, so 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 we are going to so we are going to put on our Disney Prince costumes, and we're going to visit all these princesses. Craig, which Disney Prince is your favorite? See, I. I was good, and I read this script before we started doing this, so I, I saw the question pop up, and I really had to sit here and think about it for a while, because uh, I don't think anyone really ever thinks of who their favorite prince is, per se. I mean... Well, if you'd and, rather be a princess, that's okay, too. <laughs> no, I am I am perfectly fine being a prince. Um, I'm... You know what, though? I'm going to have to go with Prince Eric, just because that was probably my first Disney prince that I ever watched in a movie. So I think it's only fitting. Okay. I I think I'll go this time around with Prince Philip, because I think he was one of the most heroic Mm -hmm. of the princes. He definitely had a... He definitely had an actual role where many of them do not. But uh, and Very plus, true. Sleeping Beauty, you know, he she's the princess in our Disneyland, 
So I think I'll go with him. Yeah, so, so let's make sure our swords are sharpened in case you run into any dragons. Uh, adjust your codpiece, and um, <laughs> we will we will start our journey. So in episode 16, The Magic Kingdom, we talked about how Walt Disney placed a castle at the center of his Magic Kingdoms to act as both a weenie to draw guests into the park and to serve as a visible reference point throughout the parks so guests could always orient themselves and not become lost. So it is, it's common for theme parks to have a large, visually interesting icon within the park or within a themed land. And this icon is architecturally designed to define the theme of the land it's in. And icons can also serve as weenies for the park or land. You know, and a weenie is a visual magnet designed to capture guests' interest and draw them into the park or land. So examples would include Sleeping Beauty Castle and Cinderella Castle, um, Disneyland's Matterhorn, um, Monstro the Whale in Disneyland's Fantasyland, and Hogwarts Castle at Universal Islands of Adventure. However, icons do not necessarily have to serve as weenies because of where they're located within the park or the land. For example, the the now uh, departed Earful Tower was an icon representing Disneyland's Hollywood Studios, but it was not located in an area where it could be a weenie drawing guests deeper into that park. And conversely, weenies do not have to be icons. An example may be Star Tours at Disney Hollywood Studios with the towering at-at standing in front of the attraction. Now, a park icon is a physically dominant and unique structure that visually represents uh, the whole park. So David Younger, in his book, Theme Park Design and the Art of Themed Entertainment, defines the park icon as an experiential representation of the park. An icon that guests have been longing to see, and which, when they do, sums up the identity of the park. Examples would include Spaceship Earth at Epcot Center, uh, Groman's Chinese Theater at Disney's Hollywood Studios, and the Tree of Life in Disney's Animal Kingdom. Now, arguably... The most well-known and powerful theme park icons are the Disney Magic Kingdom castles. And most of us have a much romanticized concept of a castle being a magical place in a fairy tale setting, thanks to the films and Magic Kingdoms of Walt Disney. But in reality, most castles of the Middle Ages were built as protective fortifications for those who lived within its walls, and it was a means of increasing wealth by charging tolls along roads and rivers that served as trading routes. Most castles were not designed for beauty. Rather, they were designed to withstand many weeks of a siege. Now, Craig, I know you and Kylie, have, uh, you went to Europe on an Adventures by Disney trip, right? Did you see any um, typical European castles? Yeah, we actually uh, we started off the trip in Prague, and the big thing about there is Prague Castle, which is your your actual real uh, kind of European castle in that it's not, you know, we always, because of the romanticized version, we think of it as just like one giant building, and 
that's it but it's it really is not you know in inside the entire castle walls could be uh in Prague's case there's the giant cathedral that they have in there and then you know some of the the throne rooms that they had back then and halls and it's just this giant massive uh whole center but then on the opposite side we did go to uh, one castle in in austria the uh, hohenwerfen castle and that is uh that one was more more standard in terms of uh, what you would expect from a, a castle it's still not not romanticized in any way shape and form but uh it was yeah i i got i got to go to a couple there i think there was even one more but mm-hmm. my goodness that trip's been over a year at this point i feel like i need to go <laughs> back if i really want to remember everything sounds yeah oh yeah I, i'm looking forward to the time i get to go there yeah some castles when you look up their photos they're basically just Long, they're big, giant stone fortifications with yeah. no ornamentation whatsoever. Yeah. So, and the introduction of gunpowder to warfare ended the era of the castle as a fortification, because with gunpowder, an opposing force could easily smash the walls of the castle along with its inhabitants. So how did European castles rise in the magic kingdoms of California and Florida? Walt used the castle in an attempt to explain his parks to the public. So, uh, so we're going to take a, we're going to start out in the first Magic Kingdom, Disneyland, in 1955. And in an interview, designer Marvin Davis said, "The one thing Walt had the most vivid picture of in his mind was Fantasyland with the entrance through a castle. The castles were all his idea." And if you look at Herb Ryman's original drawings for Disneyland, the castle was set towards the back of Fantasyland rather than as the entrance to the realm. Um, The Disneyland castle went through many name changes as it was being conceptualized and constructed, including Medieval Castle, um, Fantasyland Castle, Robin Hood Castle, and Snow White's Castle. Uh, However, with his typical showmanship, Walt finally named it Sleeping Beauty Castle to make the public aware of the animated film that was in development at the Walt Disney Studio and was finally released in 1959. Was uh, was Robin Hood already going into like the the planning phases all the way back then? Because what Robin Hood didn't come out till 73, 74. He had a live action version of it that had been released earlier. It was all part after the war when they had all the money tied up in England and mm-hmm. in order to boost the economy, England didn't allow the money to it had to be spent within within England, within Britain. So that's why he then made Treasure Island. And yes, yes. um and, and he you know he, um he made the, the, the slipper in the rose and he made uh, Robin Hood. Um, hmm. Film. I think it was like Robin Hood and His Merry Men or something like I, that. I have not seen it. I need to look it mm-hmm. up. Yeah, that's even why if in if you look at some of the early films and videos of Disneyland, there's there's actually Merry Men um, in Fantasyland. Huh. And it, and it was all part of because of that Robin Hood film was still very much a part. Uh, it was still in the public's memory. Because it had been a very popular film, and 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 other film studios had released Robin Hood films. 
Wow. It was a popular genre at the time. Yes. No, I, I love the, the 30s Robin Hood. Yeah. <laughs> so. Now, the Sleeping Beauty Castle was modeled after several large medieval castles, including Mad King Ludwig II of Bavaria's Neuschwanstein Castle. And I, and I apologize to all you Austrians out there, because I'm sure I mispronounced it. And also... Uh, there were a trio of French castles, um, Chateau and Manor House, that were also inspirations um, for Sleeping Beauty Castle. Uh, Walt wanted his castle to be friendly and welcoming rather than large and intimidating. So Disneyland's castle was built on a much smaller scale than the European castles. Uh, the 77-foot-tall castle is the smallest of all the Disney castles around the world, and through the use of forced perspective, the castle appears larger than it really is. In April of 1957, the Sleeping Beauty walkthrough opened inside Sleeping Beauty Castle, which allowed guests to see the characters and story from the film two years before its release. And as a result of this early debut, the design depiction of the characters and scenes didn't necessarily match what the public saw on the silver screen in 1959. And in this walkthrough, guests would climb the castle's stairs to view dioramas showcasing the classic tale of Sleeping Beauty. Uh, in 1977, the dioramas were redesigned and more closely resemble the style of the Emporium Store window character and film displays on Main Street, USA. And then the Sleeping Beauty walkthrough continued to delight guests until it was closed in 2001. And rumors were Regarding the reasons for the closure included concerns over the structural integrity of the castle that was never intended to support a walkthrough, to security concerns following the attacks against the United States on September 11, 2001. But seven years later, in 2008, the walkthrough was reimagined and reopened, allowing park guests to once again wander the corridors of Sleeping Beauty Castle. So, so Craig, what what are your impressions of this first Magic Kingdom castle? I absolutely love this castle. Uh, of course, uh, like any good Disney World person out there, I do make jokes about it every now and then. But all in, all in good fun. But it's to me, I, I've only seen this castle in Magic Kingdoms, and the one thing I have to say about this one is it feels like it is alive. Whereas the one in the Magic Kingdom just doesn't. Uh, not that it isn't stunning, and we will get to that one next, obviously, but uh, it's just that there's something that is alive about Sleeping do, Beauty Castle. Do you think because it's less imposing? Because most of the other castles we're going to talk about, they're very... Um, they rise majestically. Yeah. And whereas Sleeping Beauty Castle is more of a pyramid... Yeah, design. I, I do think it is part of it is that it is less imposing. I the the color scheme with it. I know some people aren't fans of the color scheme. I think it's just it's beautifully designed in every way, shape, and form. And then as you know, I, I love that it does extend out so far, and you know, it's it it just doesn't end with the castle, and it's it originally 
tried to do what you know now what they're trying to go back and do out in our magic kingdom and you know add extra pillars and really try to make it more encompassing than it was before and this one already was i just it it, everything about it works in my opinion and to me there is no better moment than whenever you're walking through the castle and you time it perfectly right whenever when you wish upon a star comes on it's yes like it's one of those Disney moments that you just it, it's hard to recreate it is yeah that's true and and the color scheme has changed a bit over the years when you look at the early color films it wasn't quite uh, didn't have the same color scheme mm-hmm. and uh, but yeah I think they've done a, a marvelous job with it and uh, and um, yeah I, I, there's not much there was something in my head because you brought it up and then it just went right out of it I can't remember what it was but anyway it's a lovely castle and, and the, you know yeah people joke about its size but uh, it, it was it, it was meant to be that size yeah. it served Walt's purpose of the story he was trying to communicate and and, and that feeling he was trying to impart in that uh, in that castle and also definitely look in all the castles we're going to talk about there there are so many things in the details i mean look at the gargoyles and and you know they're characters from films yeah and uh, they, they did such wonderful little touches in all the castles uh, it's it really it's really remarkable because they didn't need to yes you know it's yeah. just it's it's just and that's what disney does best so, as you mentioned, the the next castle is at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom, and of course that opened in 1971. As we discussed in our previous episode, and and if you do want to learn more about Sleeping Beauty Castle, its design, construction, again, go back to my 60 Years of Disneyland series on our Disneyland podcast, where we uh, we really go into much more detail about that castle, and um, and the um. There's a very there's some very funny stories about when Walt decided he wanted to construct a walkthrough, and and what happened when he uh, went into that castle thinking nothing was in it, <laughs> in order to see what what could they do there. Anyway, so check that out. So last week we we said that um, when Walt Disney and his Imagineers built the Florida project with lessons learned from the construction of Disneyland, um, Walt purchase land for his Florida projects to make sure uh, you know he wanted to purchase enough land to allow a much larger scale project so as a result the Magic Kingdom's castle was designed to draw guests to the theme park from the highway six miles away so this had to be an imposing castle Um, versions of the story of Cinderella can be read in the folklore of many cultures but Charles Perrault's version has come to be the most widely known and it was determined that Cinderella would be the representative theme in the castle designed by the Magic Kingdom. So Herb Ryman also designed this castle, as he did Sleeping Beauties. And he and his team, again, referenced Ludwig's Neuschwanstein castle. Neuschwanstein. Thank you. I was almost there. Um, I, I should just let you say these, as, as they did with Sleeping Beauty Castle. Uh, okay, here's. Do you want to try this chateau's name? Oh, I. Um, is it? I I had Ch- practiced all these, but is it Chenisois? I don't. I I think so. Chateau de de, de located in the 
Loire Valley of France um, inspired the turrets of the castle. I know, I'm sure everybody who speaks French is just cringing. Um, <laughs> the, the style of French Renaissance architecture of Chambord um, provides inspiration for Cinderella Castle with its scale and color scheme and its subtle reference to traditional French medieval forms. Um, Chateau de Chaumont is yet another French Renaissance building. The Disney design used as a reference. There are also some design elements derived from King Louis XIV's Palace of Versailles and Fontainebleau. Um, Herb Ryman also referenced the Alcazar of Segovia, Spain, and the Mosna Castle in Poland. Now, Cinderella Castle stands 189 feet tall and is the second tallest of the Disney castles. Like Sleeping Beauty Castle, forced perspective is also utilized on this castle. Uh, Cinderella Castle was completed in July 1971 after 18 months of construction, six months longer than it took to build all of Disneyland. Unlike Sleeping Beauty Castle, Cinderella Castle opened to the public 31 years after the release of its animated film. And one of the things I love most about Cinderella Castle is the stunning mosaic depicting the story of Cinderella designed by Imagineer Dorothea Redmond, who designed uh, like Walt's apartments uh, that are in uh, that were in New Orleans Square in Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Also, some of the shops. Um, around there, I talk. We talk more about her in previous episodes and on the Disneyland show. Um, the murals were crafted and set in place by a team of six artists, led by mosaicist Hans Joachim Scharf. Uh, the fifteen by ten foot panels are shaped in a Gothic arch, and the murals took twenty-two months to complete and contain just over three hundred thousand pieces of Italian glass and rough smalted glass which is made specifically for mosaics, traditionally used by Italian craftsmen. And then there's more than 500 colors. Um, Many of the hand-cut tiles are fused with sterling silver and 14 karat, 58% gold. And some are as small as the head of a tack. So take a close look at Cinderella's wicked stepsisters, Drizella and Anastasia. Uh, Their faces show their true colors, because one is made with tiles green with envy, and the other with tiles red with rage, as they watch Cinderella try on the glass slipper. And in scenes where their their eyes are open, they shine like jealous green emeralds. So not only can guests walk through the castle, but they can also dine with the princesses inside the castle at Cinderella's royal table. So um, have you have you um, studied these mosaics at all, Craig? Uh, I spend a lot of time looking at them, if that's yeah. what you mean by studying. Um, uh-huh. I, I haven't read up a lot on their history for them, but no, that it is one of my favorite things about walking through our castle and uh it's very aggravating because you know our castle just it 
with having the the stage show out front it always causes congestion nightmares with with getting through and then also having cinderella's royal table and uh bippity boppity boutique all at the back side of the castle sometimes you have to fight your way through to even get mm-hmm. all the way through there and um but the murals are absolutely worth it and uh you know it's it's one of those things you can just you you want to stand back take on all of it and then get up close and really look touch those details it's it is in my opinion the most special thing about the castle that is while not overlooked because you know everyone notices as they go through it i don't think anyone gives it the time of day that it truly deserves yeah i agree um I've spent a lot of time looking at it because it's just such an incredible work of art. And and when we when we talk more about the um, fantasy land in the Magic Kingdom, we'll get a little more into the castle uh-huh. and some of the stories behind um, Sharf, especially. He's a he's very interesting background on him. Um, but yeah, it, it, I wish you know. I know you can't enter. You can go inside this castle because. There's Cinderella's Royal Table. There's the Dream Suite. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. I do wish they could have incorporated a walkthrough um, similar to Sleeping Beauties because the castle is so magnificent. It would be nice if guests could feel that they can just amble through it the way that they can through Sleeping Beauty Castle. Yeah, I know. And and give it more of a... You know, give it more like you know it's it's really inhabited. You know, in that you can really visit the castle if, and wander through it. You know, I, I still I would keep hope alive because if Disney can find a way to cram some some form of uh, guests giving money to be able to do it, whether it's with a gift shop <laughs> in the middle of it or or some private tour experience, I'm sure eventually they will find a way to take people's money to get them through there. <laughs> yeah, or just because it would just be a nice place. You would hope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like Sleeping Beauty. I mean, certainly the walkthrough, all it does, it, it just adds character and it adds, it contributes to the theme. Yes. And nothing more than that. Now, now, similar to his uh, Main Street USA apartment at Disneyland and the family apartment that had been designed above Pirates of the Caribbean in New Orleans Square, Walt had plans to construct a private apartment inside Cinderella Castle. But because the castle was not constructed until after his passing, Walt's brother Roy halted construction of the apartment. Um, the space served as a call center, which that just boggles my mind, um, a storage area and a cast member dressing room until 2007 when the Disney Imagineers made Walt's dream a reality, in a sense, and the Cinderella Castle Dream Suite was opened. And during the Year of a Million Dreams celebration, a stay in the suite would be awarded to lucky families. Uh, and I haven't... Uh, what do they use it for now? I know once in a while it... It, it, they 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 will raffle it off. Yeah, and I know VIPs stay there. That's but. essentially all they're still doing with it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I've never been lucky enough to go up there. My sister, whenever she was a fairy godmother in training at the Bippity Boppity Boutique, she was able to uh, go up one day on a tour, and I've 
you know, I've seen the pictures that people post of it online and I think mm-hmm. Corey had the chance to go up there before too and even showed me some pictures of it and yeah, it just it looks so spectacular up there. It it's, does. You know, one day I'm still holding out hope that I get to well, get to stay. Well, there. I think they need to have the connecting with Walt podcast team up there so we can talk about it and talk about you know Walt's connection to it. I, I agree. So if anyone from Disney is listening right now, mm-hmm. make it happen. Yeah, and and we'll promote the heck out of it for you. <laughs> um, now, when you enter Fantasyland through the castle, look up and notice there are block walls and castle turrets above the rooftops of the attraction. Um, when entering the Enchanted Forest, you pass under the arches, similar in style to the castle. And all this was designed to reinforce the castle fortress village setting for the realm, and it provides a historic connection to the original purpose of a medieval European castle. So, And, and of course, when you're walking through the castle, look around, you might see a, a couple of uh, Cinderella's friends, yeah. you know, wandering around up there. So, so any, any final thoughts on Cinderella Castle? I, you know, I do love it. It was my first castle, and it's mm-hmm. still special, especially uh, at, at Christmas with the, with the icicle lights on it. it. There is something just spectacular about it. But um, I think for me, it's something I, the older I get, I don't I don't feel the perspective as much as I used to. Whenever I was a kid, it mm-hmm. was the the biggest icon that I had ever seen. It's the biggest castle. It's just amazingly tall. And now, you know, granted that comes with age growing up and of course you're going to look at things differently with it. It just isn't as overwhelming anymore. That's why I think I like the character that you get out of Sleeping Beauty Castle more than than just the grandness of Cinderella right. Castle, but it that being said, it is still it's it the first time anyone sees it whether they're a kid or seeing it as an adult for the first time. It it just it it changes everything. Yeah, uh, and I do love the beauty and the ornamentation and the artwork of this castle. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it is stunning. So, um, but um, uh, now the next one, the first international park that Disney built was Tokyo Disneyland in 1983. And when Disneyland Tokyo opened, an almost identical version of the Magic Kingdom's Cinderella Castle rose from the central plaza at 186 feet in height. It differentiated itself from the castle in Florida primarily by the Cinderella Castle Mystery Tour, which centered on the Disney villains and is notable for being one of the few uses of the Black Cauldron in the Disney theme parks with an encounter with the Horned King serving as the attraction's finale. This was open from July 11th, 1986 through April 5th, 2006. Always regretted when Carol and I went there, it was closed for refurbishment. Oh, really? So I never got to see it. Yeah. Oh, that's a so shame. So disappointed. I've seen video of it and it just looks, I, I, I really don't know why it was closed. But um, it was. It looked very cool. Yeah, and um, and and I like the idea of there's something in the dungeons of yeah. the castle. Heck, I like so. the use of black cauldron. Mm-hmm. I do too. And uh, I I I haven't seen it in a long time. I didn't think it 
I, I, I don't know. It, I think it's been harshly judged, but um, it it definitely was a, a, a it was a film that was in trouble from oh, the yeah. beginning. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm still waiting for it to come out on Blu-ray. I know it was they had the box art out there. They had promoted mm-hmm. that it was going to be coming out, and then it just got pushed back and never uh hasn't seen the light of day yet since yeah. also along with um three caballeros saludos amigo make mine music um yeah. and uh and then even though it's not an official release but also it's it's weird that the 20th anniversary of a goofy movie was celebrated so highly last year especially having a d23 presentation on it and yet they didn't even re-release it or anything yeah, and there's yeah. never been a, a high definition copy out. That's so weird. Yeah. Sometimes how Disney Home Entertainment works. I have the DVDs of all those, but yeah. not yeah Blu-ray. So. Now, uh, let's see. Now, this castle received a new color scheme in 2006 to differentiate itself from the Magic Kingdom. The castle now has gold trimmings. The rooftops have been painted a different shade of blue, and the white stone of the turrets now has a Sort of a tan and sandy pinkish color. Cinderella's fairy tale hall is located inside the castle. Uh, Cinderella, wanting to share her magical princess story, decided to open up the castle and exhibit various artwork showing scenes from her story. And at the lobby and corridor, guests will find eight murals showing how Cinderella changed from beloved daughter to servant girl and then to princess. They will also see a diorama of Cinderella magically transformed into wearing a beautiful ball gown and other artworks made from various materials, such as paper, wood, and glass. And in the Grand Hall, guests will find a magnificent chandelier, the renowned glass slipper, a throne, and special paintings that reveal a magical message when photographed using a flash, which might explain why there is so much flash photography in our parks by um, some of our guests from overseas. That actually, that's, that could be. Because mm-hmm. it, it got reinforced in this yeah. park to use your flash. Um, it has been suggested that Cinderella's virtues of duty and a devoted work ethic resonate more deeply in Japanese culture than Sleeping Beauty, which prompted the decision to use her castle in Tokyo. Huh? Well, how, how do you feel about basically the, as as the as the international parks were built, they basically copied previous castles. At least a couple of the parks did. What are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, now that we we do have Shanghai Disneyland out there, and uh, the the next castle we're going to talk about being on the unique side, I I think it is a shame that they went this route with Tokyo and Hong Kong. It's obviously something they can't correct now, and it's it is what it is. But you know, doing by having different uh by at least in tokyo having a a new different color scheme and having uh, different different experiences inside at least it does differentiate itself uh with with the guts of it and you know as as much as it would be great to have all unique icons from the outside uh there's you know I'm, i'm sure they're there was smart decisions behind it whenever they made the decisions to do it this way. But yeah. see, I, I wish that every 
Magic Kingdom Park had a different princess with a yes. different castle. So maybe in Tokyo they could have had uh, Snow White's castle or or something like that. Uh, I, you know, uh, Euro Disney, Euro Disneyland now Disneyland Paris. Yeah, it would have been nice if Beauty and the Beast had been finished. Well, it was finished by then, so yeah. they could have had. They could have had Belle and whatever the beast's name really was, because I don't know if it's in canon uh, yes. or not. Yes. But, um, you know, it could, it could have been their castle. And as much as I love that castle, and we'll talk about it in a moment, it, it just would have been nice if I think every single one was completely different. No, I, you know? I entirely agree with that. So, mm-hmm. um you know, because it, it would just it would keep leaving the door open up for for other new things. Um, you know, eventually there could have been a, a Mulan castle. I don't know how that would work. Oh, yeah, or, or or you know, Eric and Ariel's castle. Although they they do yeah. have it in the Enchanted Forest at you know at, at the Magic Kingdom yeah. in Disney World. But I'm not sure how they would do a Pocahontas one. Uh, oh, uh, well, they'd have. They'd have a hut. (laughs) Or you could do once she's back in England and suffering. Her manor house. Suffering from (laughs) severe illness from not being used to the the smallpox. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes. There's there's a not quite a fairy tale ending for Pocahontas. Yes. (laughs) um, Anyway. All right. Well, now now we move on to uh, Euro Disneyland, now called Disneyland Paris, opened in 1992. Uh, Every Magic Kingdom park in the world has a castle at its center, but the designing of Disneyland Paris posed a problem for the Imagineers. Whilst Americans and Japanese marveled at Sleeping Beauty Castle and Cinderella Castle, there are real castles throughout France and Europe. Um, the Imagineers ultimately decided a castle would still work, but with significant concept and design differences from the previous Magic Kingdoms. Um, Disneyland Paris's, and I'm sure I'll mispronounce this, Le Chateau de la Belle à Bois Dormant, or Sleeping Beauty Castle, is by far Disney's most fairy tale like, with sweeping turrets, spiral stairs, stained glass windows, and geometric shrubbery built into the side of a rocky hill. This, this is most like a castle from the film it's derived yeah. from. Um, lurking in the dark dungeons beneath in the... Okay, do you want to try pronouncing this one? <laughs> uh, well, I would say, like, La Tanier du Dragon. Yes, that's what I was thinking. You said it much better, though. Is one of Disney's most intimidating animatronics. A sleeping fairy tale dragon who is easily awoken. Now, it was designed by a friend and um, Imagineer Terry Harden. Oh. Um, the pink and blue castle is inspired by the animated classic. It's named after, it's named after as well as um, historic monuments, um, it, the French Gothic manuscripts, and real French castles, including Normandy's Mont Saint Michel. So, soaring to 167 feet, Imagineers cut the size of this castle down one-third from Cinderella Castle in Walt Disney World to allocate more to the budget towards enhancing the atmosphere of the chateau. This resulted in not only the two merchandise locations within the castle, but the Sleeping Beauty Gallery upstairs and the Dragon's Lair beneath. 
So, um, the stained glass windows located in the gallery within the castle walls tell the story of Sleeping Beauty. They were overseen by Peter Chapman, who also worked on restoring the stained glass in the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. And Craig, you will like this as a photographer and artist and videographer. Sparing no detail, the facade of Sleeping Beauty Castle faces north to south, so it always looks brilliant and backlit, free for guests entering on Main Street USA, um, no matter what the time of day. And that was a brilliant decision to go with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's everything at Disney should be designed that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we can thank Tony Baxter for this park. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, so, I, I'm sure you've seen photos and films and all that of this castle. What are your thoughts? I visually, obviously, I haven't been there yet. So, hopefully, uh, in the next couple of years, I will be there. But um, of of all the ones that I've seen that I haven't attended to yet. This is the one that I am most excited to see. Uh, it is just, I, I love the, the design of it. It is just so unique and architecturally different. Uh, and yeah, I've heard all the stories about the, the dragon below and, you know, stuff like that excites me, but it's just the little things about this, like the, the grass and the rock work leading up on the, the left side of the castle as it's going up mm-hmm. into it. It's just little things like that. Just they, they play off so well. Yeah. That's the side that I, I think when, when it, the photographs of that yeah. side where the hillside sweeps into and becomes part of the castle, that that's just magnificent. And then the square trees from Ivan Earl's, uh, you know, work on the film yeah. that, uh, that they've done. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's breathtaking. I mean, really beautiful. I definitely, this is one that, like, Carol doesn't really have a desire to see the Asian parks, mm-hmm. but this is one we both definitely want to go to. Yeah. No, oh, I, so. I cannot, I cannot wait to get there and actually see it in person because I know it's going to even yeah. be better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and they are, they're in the middle of a major refurbishment of the whole park. Yeah. So much like what Disneyland went through for its 50th. They're doing that right now for Disneyland Paris. So I figure give it a couple of years yeah. and it'll be, um, everything will look grand there. So. Perfect. So so then, then we move on to Hong Kong Disneyland, which opened in 2005. Uh, Hong Kong Disneyland had one of the shortest construction periods of any Magic Kingdom park other than the original Disneyland. On January 12, 2003, more than 400 guests celebrated the groundbreaking of Hong Kong Disneyland after the land reclamation for the resort site on Penny's Bay was complete. And on September 23, 2004, a special castle topping ceremony was held in the park to commemorate the placing of the tallest turret on Sleeping Beauty Castle. Um, Hong Kong Disneyland was officially open to the public on September 12, 2005. In an effort to support the growth and success of Hong Kong Disneyland, Beijing deliberately slowed down the development of the Shanghai Disney Resort, which was first planned for the early 2000s. 
So Hong Kong Sleeping Beauty Castle is a nearly identical copy of the original in California and rises to a height of 77 feet. Um, the rooftops of the Hong Kong castle use a dark shade of blue, whilst the original castle uses a lighter blue shade. So the original's rooftops appear shinier, uh, using the reflection of sunlight. In Hong Kong, the castle looks more medieval, with natural white and pink colors for the accents and cornice, whilst the original uses more golden accents, cornice, and decorations, giving it a more fairy tale look during the day. The Hong Kong castle is surrounded by fewer trees than California, so the fireworks viewing area in the central plaza is wider and free from obstructions, whilst the original castle's fireworks viewing area is partially blocked by tall trees. So uh, I do think one of the the magnificent things about this castle is are the mountains yes. in the background. Yes. I, mean, I think that's a lovely shot. Um Otherwise, I don't have a lot to say about this one. Yeah, um, I'm. I mean, I'm kind of the same way. I, I love seeing pictures of this place with, with the mountains in the back. It is weird that it is so wide open. Whenever you see pictures of it, uh, mm-hmm. w- without any of that greenery, because you just, you know, it's, it, it just it, it's missing something by not having it. And then, uh, does it have? How big are the waterways around it, or are there waterways around it? You know, that I'm not sure. So, because every picture I look at in it, you know, I, I think it looks like there's some, but still not on the scope that there is around uh, around Disneyland Sleeping Beauty Castle. It just looks... Mm-hmm. It just looks more u- utilitarian. It's almost like mm-hmm. uh, a mixture. It's sleeping... Beauty Castle from Disneyland, but with that same style of let's make it a con- concrete jungle like we do in yeah. in uh, the Magic Kingdom. But it, it all works out because we have a great view right behind the castle. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very disappointed that they just copied the castle. They did nothing to improve it. Uh, I mean, why not improve upon this castle? Make it larger. Uh, um, well, first of all, I think they should have just had a completely different yeah. princess and design. Uh, I mean, I feel like they just really, I don't know, they took the lazy way out. Yeah. And But then why is there nothing in it? I mean, why didn't they improve on the original design and put in a restaurant or put in the walkthrough? Put, do something, you know. Um, Agree. I don't know. Yeah. So, I, so overall, I, I'm just disappointed with the Imagineers, you know, in this one. Yeah. And I'm sure there were financial reasons for it and all that, but um, I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Then we come to the newest Magic Kingdom in Shanghai Disneyland. It just opened a few weeks ago in 2016. Uh, The icon of Disney's new Shanghai Disneyland is the largest of all the Magic Kingdom castles ever built. The enchanted storybook castle spires reach up to 197 feet. Rather than honoring only one princess, this castle is home to all princesses and is visually somewhat of a combination between Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella Castle. Um, within, the castles are, uh, in the, within the castle are mosaics depicting each season through Disney films. The Princess and the Frog depicts spring, Frozen depicts winter, Tangled depicts summer, and Brave depicts autumn. 
the Royal Banquet Hall Restaurant, part of a ride called The Voyage to the Crystal Grotto, a character meet-and-greets, a bippity-boppity boutique, and the Once Upon a Time Adventure, which is an interactive walk-through attraction themed to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, are all inside. Um, this attraction has a special meaning since the film premiered on February 8, 1938 in Shanghai, and it was one of the first Disney properties to be introduced to Chinese audiences, and that is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, critics have noted the ornamentation and artwork, though, primarily showcases the more recent Disney princesses rather than Snow White, Cinderella, and other princesses of the classic animated films. But they, they, I, I think the Chinese have seen primarily the recent films, yeah. and they're now, they've only been seeing the classic ones because, you know, they were closed off yes. to Western yeah. culture for so long. Um, Disney spokespersons have repeatedly emphasized the enchanted storybook castle's Chinese elements in keeping with the company's vow to build a park that's authentically Disney, distinctly Chinese. Uh, During the design process, traditional European castles were researched by the designers with thought given to how to make the features distinctly Chinese. For example, a finial atop the castle has a peony, which is the flower of China, with a burst of Disney stars beneath to signify the partnership between Disney and China. Um, Another finial has peonies, magnolias, Chinese clouds, and other design elements. Um, Gargoyles are traditional in European architecture, but the Chinese zodiac was used as inspiration for the gargoyles on the enchanted storybook castle. So the newest Magic Kingdom castle is also the tallest, largest, and most interactive of all the castles. So, Craig, what what I'm sure you've seen all the videos and all of that. So what, what are your thoughts here? Well, I think its its size and scale is extremely impressive. I mean, this thing is massive. Not not really even just in height, in just everything that is in it, the the width, the depth to it. It's it's extremely impressive. However, I think it's kind of ugly. Um, it really just doesn't appeal to to me and. While, while I do want to see it in person one day to, to really witness everything that's inside it and, and see it with my own eyes, I just, it, it doesn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. I, I find it it's too busy, yes. almost. That, know, that's the, the best way to say it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, I watched the opening of it, you know, the opening ceremony, you know, the one that was on Disney Channel, yeah. and then the next day, or no, they they actually released it on Facebook, and then it was on all the Disney networks the next day with with that young lady narration narrating it, yeah. and um, actually some of her narration was good because I had no idea what was going on <laughs> in, in some of that, but some of it, um, some of the uh, exclamations I could have done without, yeah. but. But I'm sure she was handed a script and said, "Say this," but uh, so I can't really fault her. But yeah, it's um, it's interesting. The, it's an interesting park because a, a lot of people have said it's the most complete and 
oh, that, but I, I find it lacking in attractions. Yeah, there's... And, you know, we're, we're going to examine the international parks next year on Connecting with Walt. And I, I'm I'm amazed by what's been left out of this park. Yeah. You know, there's no train. Uh, there's no Haunted Mansion. There's no Small World. There's no Jungle Cruise. Although, uh, you know, some of the staples aren't there. And and uh, there's their Pirates Cove, though... That looks very impressive. Yeah, no, I I do understand the the struggle between wanting to keep it relevant and exciting for the Chinese audiences that they are bringing in. However, you know that's there's also that missed opportunity of well, let's while we want to give them stuff that give them a little bit that they'll learn, maybe give them some of those Disney classics. Uh, it, that way they can experience those too stuff like as you said mm-hmm. jungle cruise that would have been simple to put in um mm-hmm. and they they could have easily adapted it to the audiences i'm i'm sure i'm sure the chinese do enjoy laughing as well too i've i've never <laughs> been there but i just got to believe that they do it every once in a while so mm-hmm. well yeah i I will reserve all judgments really on Shanghai until I go there one day. Yep. Well, October 2017. Yeah. October 2017. I'm part of the Diz group. Yes. Going. So I'm very excited. Be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll be holding down the fort here, but. So, well, well, this concludes our journey through the magic, the Disney Magic Kingdoms. So, um, Craig, after our tour of all the castles, and you've heard about all of them, seen them on video, some of them visited them, you know, sort of, uh, I don't know, through the, through the magic of Facebook and things and YouTube. Which one is the most magical for you? <sighs> that's it it's still tough um because i want to say paris something about it just i i do i love that design so much it's it's tough because i love architecture architecturally and aesthetically i love paris the most but then it's from a from a meaningful side you know the the original you, you can't beat that either so i'll i'll do it. I'll leave it as a tie between those two. <laughs> I'm probably the same way. Sleeping Beauty Castle because, you know, it's it's my first castle yeah. and I, I think it's beautiful and you know, it, it you know, Walt, Walt and Herb Ryman, you know, worked on it and yeah. you know, and, and, and the other designers. So I like that one. But yeah, the Sleeping Beauty Castle in Paris, it just looked like it dropped out of a fairy tale. Yeah, and um, you know, so I, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that one someday yeah, because it just is so different from all the other castles. Exactly, it just it, it truly looks like one of those things that until you see it in person, you haven't really seen it. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So now, now many books, films, articles, interviews, and lectures were sourced for this episode of Connecting with Walt, including theme park design and the art of themed entertainment by David Younger, the unofficial Disneyland 1955 companion, the anecdotal story of the birth of the happiest place on earth by Jim Corcus, the and that's a brand new book, just came out. 
The Imagineering Field Guide to Disneyland by the Imagineers. The Imagineering Field Guide to the Magic Kingdom of Walt Disney World by the Imagineers. And The Hidden Magic of Walt Disney World by Suzanne Vanessa. Susan Vanessa. So please join us next week for episode 18, in which Craig and I launch a new series, Continuing Walt's Legacy. So, Craig, until our next episode, where will you be lurking? Which, which dungeon can oh, we find you in? <laughs> you just, if all of my plans go correctly, I will be hiding away, just trying to keep my sanity before the, the mega meat starts next week. But uh, if you do want to still hear my voice between then, uh, of course, you'll find me on the, the Disney World edition on Tuesdays and the Universal edition on Thursdays. Good, good. Yes. And and I will look forward to seeing you next week. Yes, exactly. I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. And you can find me every Sunday night on the Disney Unplugged Podcast Disneyland Edition with my good friends Tom Bell, Nancy Johnson, Mary Jo Mulatto Woolley, and Tony Spatel, where we have lots of fun talking about Walt's Park that started it all, and all Southern California theme parks, the Walt Disney Family Museum, and even more Disney history. Listen to us live on Mixler Sundays at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, Disneyland Time. You can download our two weekly shows from iTunes each Monday. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disunplug.com. You can send me messages at michael at wdwinfo.com. On Twitter, I'm at Michael Bowling, or I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm Musketeer Michael. And on Instagram, I'm Michael Bowling the Diz. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. Roy.